When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way, back again with our match reaction stream and this time I thought I had to um, dissect everything that went on um, last night early on the morning um, after Arsenal's 5-3 victory against Barcelona over in LA. Um, we're not doing a, the Arsenal agenda show this morning because I think the timing of it makes sense. So we're going to dissect everything that went on in the game uh, against Barcelona, the positives, the negatives, what we can improve on, um, the performances of the likes of Trossard, Bakaya Saka, Kai Havertz. So stick around for the next uh, 30 minutes or so and, and we'll dissect everything that went on over in uh, Los Angeles. But yeah, hope everyone uh, is well this morning. Um, apologies for the background noise, um, having a bit of work done um, at home. So if you hear any drilling uh, noises, um, I do apologise for that. But yeah, 5-3 victory against Barcelona. It's nice. It's nice. Um, kudos to everyone who, who watched up and stayed up and watched the game this morning um, because it was difficult, 3.30 a.m., um, to get up early in the morning and watch a preseason game, but kudos to everyone that did get up and, and watch the game because it, it was a very good game. Um, I know we're going to dissect everything that went on. We're going to dissect comments um, from Xavi, who basically was not impressed um, by the feistiness of the game. But look, we experienced that against Manchester United a few days ago. And the challenges were flying left, right and centre. And nobody was uh, banging an eyelid then. So, look, we've got the job done. We end our preseason tour over in the States. And we look uh, ahead to the Emirates Cup game against Monaco before we have that curtain raiser against Manchester City in the Community Shield, which should whet the appetite. But first things first, we'll start off um, with... Let's start off with the man of the match. Uh, Leandro Trossard. A lot has been said about Arsenal's attacking um, options that they have um, for next season, for the upcoming season. And everyone keeps speaking about the likes of Gabriel Jesus, Bakaya Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, uh, Flo Balogun, Eddie Nketiah. So many options we have uh, in the attacking department. But this guy, I'm telling you, Leandro Trossard is a gem. He is a gem. For the amount of money that we paid Brighton um, in January to get this player to the Emirates, I think it's gone under the radar. You look at the impact that he produced um, for, for the final six months of last season's campaign. The output, the goal contributions, the assists, the way he, he links up with the likes of Bukaya Saka, Gabriel Martinelli. I look at Leandro Trossard and I think to myself, this is an Arsenal player. We look at back a few years ago when Arsene Wenger had the flamboyant stars of Alexander Kleb, Cesc Fabregas, Thomas Rosicki, Santi Cazorla, so many names that come to mind. Mesut Ozil, 
Leandro Trossard, if he was in that team, in an Arsenal Wenger awesome team a few years ago, he would be at home. He would be at home. And two goals against Barcelona, two different types of goals, but quality goals, quality goals. And you know what he's capable of doing. You saw it at Brighton. You go back to that hat-trick that he scored at Anfield. He likes to put the ball in the back of the net. He picks up so many good positions. And he may not be the most explosive of players when you compare to the likes of Gabriel Martinelli. He may not have that yard of pace that gets you off your feet. But what he does have in abundance is technical quality. He knows how to play a good pass. He knows how to link up. And he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. And when you're competing against a team like Manchester City, who rely on a generational striker in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net with Erling Haaland... You need to share the load. And I think Mikel Arteta spoke about in his post-match press conference. I think a journalist asked him. He said that with Manchester City having Erling Haaland in their uh, attacking lineup, is it important for Arsenal and the players to basically share the load in terms of Leandro Trossard can score, I think, 10 goals in the Premier League season. Bakaya Saka and Gabriel Martinelli proved it last season that they can contribute uh, a lot in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. Martin Odegaard picked up around 15 goals from midfield. You have the strikers, uh, Eddie Nketiah, Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus missed about three, four months of the Premier League season. So imagine if he's fully fit for the whole campaign. He'll add more to uh, that department. So I look at Trossard and I like him. I like him a lot. I think the versatility that he he brings to this Arsenal team is is phenomenal. He can play as a number nine. So if there's a game that we potentially need to drop Jesus or he needs a breather or he's out due to an injury, Trossard proved time and time again last season that he can fill that void. He can, he can play as a number nine for this football club. And if you want to change it up and if you want to be a bit more technical, he, he's proven time and time again, that he can be an option from the left-hand side. And even on the right-hand side, which 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 may surprise uh, a few, but you saw him a few times in pre-season early on. Mikel Arteta brought him on and he played as a left-sided midfielder. Again, another variant that he has to his game. So Trossard, top, top player, two fantastic goals. The second goal, I think, is, is phenomenal. It's a great finish. It's a fantastic pass from Kieran Zini, who we'll discuss later on in the show. But the finish is is out of this world. In the bottom corner, goalkeeper has no chance. And yeah, deservedly man of the match. So kudos to Leandro Trossard, top, top player. I'm going to have a few, take a look at a few of your comments. Um, good morning to everyone. Um, it's a bit of an early show, but we love it. We love it when we win. Um Hi, Gunas. Uh, comment from Facebook. Timber is amazing. Uh, thank you, YT. Keep up the good work. Um, so sweet. Let's keep it up. Let's hammer City on the 6th. Here, here. Let's do that. Let's get the job done. Uh, Jean says, pre-season back on track. Um, yeah, Temi, only me. Everyone's off, bro. Everyone's off. So... You have to, you have to get, you have to keep getting the job in order, man. You have to get the job in order. You have to carry on um, in terms of uh, producing these shows. But now it's always good when you win um, and you see your team win. So yeah, that's that's all good in terms of that. Um, but yeah, we'll move on um, in terms of let's speak about 
what Xavi has spoken about in his in his post match uh, press conference. <laughs> I found it funny to be honest. I watched it a few minutes ago before I went live. And I thought, let me see if his comments were taken out of context. But they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. It seems that Xavi wasn't impressed by Arsenal's intensity. Um, he basically said it was not normal for a preseason friendly. The way Arsenal were playing, it was more like a Champions League game. Um, but Arsenal, they've they played Nuremberg. They've had other behind-closed-doors friendlies. Um, they played two uh, games already in America before this game against Barcelona, against the MLS All-Stars and against Manchester United. Arsenal are well ahead in terms of their preseason, um, their preseason games. Like this schedule is well ahead of Barcelona's and now Arsenal need to start thinking about getting prepared, getting ready for the start of the Premier League campaign. They've got, what, two games left of their preseason? And I'll probably say, say one. To be honest, I count the Monaco game as a preseason game, but that Monaco game, I'm, I'm sure that Mikel Arteta will put the first eleven that is probably going to play against Nottingham Forest, and he'll do the same against Manchester City uh, in, in a few days after. Because now the preseason tour has concluded over in the States, you're looking ahead to that first game against Nottingham Forest. You're looking to get the best lineup that you feel that will play in that game, and I think the preparation is done. So the fact that we are now showing intensity, we're playing at a ferocious pace, I love that. I love that. Fair enough, Xavi may not like it because they're probably at the start of their preseason preparations, but we're not. We're not. It may be a friendly. It may be a preseason game, but we have to be fully at it. We have to be fully at it. The players need to be physical. I'm not saying go into challenges like a player like Lissandro Martinez. If you've not seen the guy's challenge um, against Real Madrid, I think it was on Jude Bellingham. Like, this, this, this guy, I have no words for Lissandro Martinez. Let's just say that. But we're playing at a pace which is good. Like, we're playing at a place, pace where you, you want to see your team perform week in, week out. This is the pace that Arsenal are going to play in against Nottingham Forest, against Manchester City in the Community Shield. So we have to get prepared for that. So I think Xavi's comments were a bit uncalled for. I, I may be right, I may be wrong, but let me know in the comments how you think. Um, do, do you agree with Xavi's comments? Do you think Arsenal were a bit uh, over the top in this game against Barcelona? I personally don't. I think it is pre-season. I know it's pre-season, but when you step onto the pitch, I think Mikel Arteta said it in the press conference um, post-match against Barcelona. You say to the players before a game, listen, keep calm. They're going to challenges because in a few weeks' time, the real competition is going to kick off. You don't want to pick up any injuries. You don't want to risk anything. You don't want to aggravate uh, a knock. But what he said, when the players step on, out onto the pitch and the first challenge hits you, they basically forget what Mikel Arteta said in the dressing room. They're basically on it for the whole duration of that 90 minutes. And we saw last season... The way Arsenal performed in preseason and how important it was for us to basically carry that on domestically in, in our Premier League campaign. We, we picked up so many great wins against Chelsea and we carried that form on to the first game against Crystal Palace away from home. And we picked up a win and we continued that momentum for the next five or six games. 
and hopefully we'll see the same. I know this this preseason tour has been a bit on and off mixed bag, you could say. Uh, picked up that draw against Nuremberg, beat the MLS All-Stars comfortably, but then obviously we lost to Manchester United where you never want to lose that game. But it's been good. It's been good. We've we brought in new players, new additions to the team. Unfortunately, we didn't see Declan Rice um, uh, last night because obviously Mikel Arteta said in his post-match press conference they didn't want to risk him. He, he, I think he had a bit of a dead leg. So nothing nothing to worry about in terms of that. It's good he's not been risked for that. And he, think he spoke about Flo Balogun. Um, he said that he's, he's had a foot injury for the past few days, um, hence why he's not been training with the first team. He's been training alone. So that was why Flo Balogun wasn't part of the uh, game against Barcelona. But yeah, Xavi's comments, a bit uncalled uncall for. I love it. I embrace it. Let's keep at it. We've got Monaco um, next Wednesday before we face Manchester City. And I want to see these players keep that momentum up and keep this high intensity up because... The Premier League is about to start in a few weeks' time, so we can't um, we can't we can't basically decrease the way we've been performing week in week out. So, Xavi, I'm sorry, but in this case, you are wrong. Um, let's, let's see who's agrees in the comments. Yeah. I agree. Martinez should have received three red cards in preseason. Like the challenge is that. I've seen from Lissandro Martinez. Those are what I call over the top. He, he, in his mind, I think he's thinking that he wants to take someone out. And I may be wrong, but in the game against Barcelona, I didn't really see that. I just saw Arsenal basically playing at a ferocious pace and a pace that I enjoy watching this team play at. I think against Manchester United, it was a bit static. The performance was a bit below par, underwhelming. I think Arsenal never really pressed the way you want to see this Arsenal team press from the front. It seemed a bit lethargic at times, um, below par. But today, uh, tonight or last night against Barcelona, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Arsenal were fully at it and they wanted to prove a point. And they wanted to basically show Barcelona that this is a team that Barcelona should be worried about potentially if they do come up against each other in the Champions League for the upcoming season. So, yeah, I was impressed by Arsenal, Arsenal's performance. Um, we'll speak about the negatives because I think at times we do lack a bit of concentration um, to our game where I think we need to basically at times get better at, improve on. But overall, I think it's a very good performance. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely, bro. Xavi was crying. Bakaya <laughs> um, Saka. You want to speak about the negatives or the positives first? All right, let's take, let's speak about the negatives. He did miss a penalty. Um, his second penalty miss, I think, back-to-back. Obviously, he missed that penalty against West Ham United. He put it wide. And, yeah, last night against Barcelona, he had another opportunity to score from the spot kick. But, again, he put that wide as well. And I saw a lot of um, talk on social media in terms of Bakaya Saka's penalty-taking responsibilities for Arsenal and whether he should be Arsenal's number one penalty taker. I still think he should. Um, I, I'm not really going to take too much uh, into it from a preseason game, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, 
he's a, he's missed one penalty and that was against West Ham. Uh, so I know a lot of Arsenal fans are probably in their mind thinking now it's back to back penalty misses that he's missed. But look, it happens. It happens. It's 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 not an easy thing to do. You see the best penalty takers in the world miss spot kicks. Harry Kane missed a vital penalty against France in the World Cup quarterfinal. He scored the first one, he missed the second. So things can happen when when you take a penalty. But I think the good thing for Mikel Arteta and Arsenal and also Bukayo Saka is that if, say for example, he doesn't want to take a penalty, I, I don't think that will happen because I look at Bukayo Saka and I think his mentality is incredible. I think every time Arsenal get a penalty, penalty, Bukayo Saka is going to be the first man to take that ball and put it on the spot and put the, try and put the ball in the back of the net. I think he's got that mentality, he's got that confidence and he believes in himself. That's what I love about Bukayo Saka. But say, for example, if there's someone like Jorginho on the pitch, and I know some Arsenal fans like myself um, at times worried about Jorginho's run-up, but that boy knows how to take a penalty kick. That boy knows how to take a penalty kick. In high-pressure moments, Jorginho knows how to put the ball in the back of the net uh, from the spot kick. So he's an option. Say, for example, if Bukai Saka doesn't want to take a penalty or Mikel Arteta decides to basically chop and change, Jorginho would be an option. Kai Havertz is another player that I've seen in the past. He knows how to put the ball in the back of the net uh, from a penalty kick. So, yeah, look, Bukai Saka, I still think he needs to get better in terms of at times spot kicks i think i think what i think the mental aspect is people still think about that euro miss when he missed that spot kick against italy um and a lot of people have that pressure like i know for myself when bakar saka takes a penalty i'm not even taking that penalty kick but i have that pressure on my shoulders like please saka don't miss please saka don't miss because i don't want him to miss because i know that there's going to be an uproar on social media. There's going to be hysteria. There's going to be opposing fans mocking him. And I don't want to see that. That's that's the pressure that is on my shoulders when I see Bakar Saka, Saka take a penalty kick. However, as I've seen in the comments already, Bakar Saka, he's got that confidence. He's got the ability. And say, for example, if you get a penalty kick against Manchester City at Wembley in a few weeks' time, I know for a fact Bakar Saka is going to step up and he's going to put that ball in the back of the net. If we get a penalty kick against Nottingham Forest on the first home game of the Premier League season, I know for a fact Bakar Saka is going to take that penalty kick. And I know Mikel Arteta won't change it. Mikel Arteta won't change it because he's not that type of manager. Look, he's missed a penalty against West Ham United. That, that was a few months ago. It can happen. He's missed another penalty against uh, Barcelona. Again, it can happen. What I know about Bakaya Saka, he's going to be on the training pitch, looking to improve, improve, improve. And he's going to be keep on taking these penalty kicks, trying to get his technique a bit better, trying to get the corners, trying to find the uh, left corner, right corner, top corner. So he'll improve. But let's talk about the positives of this kid. I look at Bakaya Saka now and we're reaching scary hours. You're reaching scary hours. Not for us, but every single team domestically, also in Europe. Bakaya Saka, for me, is reaching a level where I think he's going to explode. 
for this upcoming campaign. I look at his physique, Bukayo Saka, and it seems that he's been hitting the gym. He's been hitting the gym, but he's been hitting the gym at a level where it doesn't harm his explosiveness in a way. And what he done for Kai Havertz's goal, the way he eased, I think it was Marcus Alonso, if I can remember, the way he shrugged Marcus Alonso off, it was like, wow, wow. I was like, insane. And I saw a lot of talk on social media when Sadio Mane, I don't know if you folks remember, when Sadio Mane hit his peak for Liverpool, he was a beast. He was hitting the gym and you saw his body, you saw his physique, the muscles that he had, the legs, the amount of power he had in his legs. And nobody could shrug him off the ball. Nobody could shrug him off the ball. But Mane, what he had to his game, he still had that explosiveness and he still had that ability to take on a man and basically get in behind the defence. And I look at Bakaya Saka and he's reaching that level. He's reaching that level. You know what Bakaya Saka has had in the past. He's very trickery. He has that trickery to his game. He has that ability to take on a man. He's got that pace. But last season, he added more to his game. He knew when he needed to shoot. He added that goal output. He knew when he needed to pass, assist output. And now what he's adding to his game is physical prowess. Physical prowess. I look at Bukayo Saka now and I see a man. A few seasons ago, I saw a boy. A boy that was basically, he had the talent in abundance and he was waiting for him to explode. But now when I watch him play, I'm like, wow. We've got a ridiculous, ridiculous player on our hands. And the way I look, I, I, you talk about the way he shrugged Marcos Alonso off, um, it was crazy. It was crazy. And this season, players don't want to play against Bakar Saka because he can take you one way or he can take you another. He has that in his locker. And the only thing players or fullbacks can do to basically deter him or stop him in his tracks is kick him. Kick him hard. So the good thing about Bakaya Saka, if he gets kicked, don't worry. Don't worry. He'll get up and he'll basically mock you again. He'll mock you again because he's that kind of player. He realizes when you get to the elite standard, when you get to that standard where people start to respect you more, they're not going to allow you to take make a mockery of them. They're not going to allow you. Most of these fullbacks, 80%, 70% of these fullbacks in the Premier League, they realise that Bakar Saka has, has, is a better player than them. He has the beating of them. So they need to add a different side to their game to basically stop him in his tracks. And that includes kicking him. That includes pushing him. That includes shoving him. But what, we, what I've seen with Bakar Saka in the past season or so, if he gets kicked, doesn't matter. He'll get up. He'll give it back to you. He'll give it back to you. He won't feel sorry for himself. And that's a sign of a top, top player. I said a few weeks ago, I saw Cristiano Ronaldo when he was first coming, um, when he first broke through as a Manchester United player. And he had all the talent. Spotty kid, that, that blonde hair that he had, stepovers galore, was making a mockery of you. Like fullbacks didn't want to know. But they start to get frustrated. They start to get frustrated and they start to kick you. And he realised that. Cristiano, re, Cristiano Ronaldo, sorry, realised that. And what did he add to his game? He went physically stronger. He started hitting the gym. Hard work, dedication. On the training ground, the likes of Gary Neville, Paul Scholes were kicking him. 
because they said to him, you can have all the talent in the world, but when you come to the Premier League, you need to have a different side of your game and you're going to get kicked. And I look at Bukayo Saka now, he takes on his stride. He takes on his stride. And yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. So look, look, at Bukayo Saka, we've got top, top player on our hands. So penalties aside, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he can do um, this season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Um, Kai Havertz, another goal. I don't see the Chelsea fans talking on social media because Kai Havertz, for me, he's going to add a lot to this Arsenal team. Don't get me wrong, there's going to be certain games where Arsenal fans will get frustrated with Kai Havertz because that's more to do with his intensity, his language, language style of play. You look at Kai Havertz and physically, he, he's a man. Physically, he's a man. He's got that physical prowess. But at times on the pitch, he may not be the most intense when you compare to someone like Martin Odegaard, for example. I compare Havertz to Martin Odegaard in terms of what Martin Odegaard does. Martin Odegaard, throughout 90 minutes, he's all over the pitch. He's hurrying. He's hurrying. But Kai Havertz is not that type of type of player. Kai Havertz is the type of player where he's going to score goals. He's going to score goals for this football club. And he's going to pick pockets. And he's going to pick positions where defenders are going to be occupied with the likes of Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, they're going to be occupied with Gabriel Jesus and it's going to allow a player like Kai Havertz to basically creep in positions where defenders, they don't have the time to get there. They don't have the time to get there. And he saw it with his goal last night against Barcelona. Great play from Bakaya Saka. Great cross. I think Martin Odegaard gets that touch. And who's at the back post? Your man there, Kai Havertz. And a lot of talk has been spoken about Granit Xhaka and the fact that whether Kai Havertz is an improvement on Granit Xhaka. He is. He is an improvement on Granit Xhaka. Because for me, Granit Xhaka was not a left-sided midfielder by trade. Granit Xhaka is not that type of player. He evolved his game. And you have to applaud Granit Xhaka for that. Because I think he said it in an interview, I think I saw a year ago, and he spoke about the fact that Mikel Arteta said, this is the position you're going to play. And Granit Xhaka was a bit weary. He's like, can I play this position? But he said, okay, I'll give it a go. I'll work hard on the training ground and I'll look to evolve my game and I'll look to develop it. And what did he do? He'd done that. He'd done that. And look, Granit Xhaka, how important how, and how influential he was to our season, last season. He was fantastic. But look at Kai Havertz. Defensively, he may not have what Granit Xhaka has, in my opinion, Granit Xhaka, defensive monster, dual monster. Like, when it comes to winning duels, Granit Xhaka is your man. Kai Havertz is not going to be that type of player. But what Kai Havertz will offer, 
Say, for example, if it's in a certain game where we're drawing 1-1 at home or away from home and we need a goal and we need something different and we need to start flooding the box and we've got the likes of Gabriel Jesus, Bakaya Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, Kai Havertz, um, Martin Odegaard flooding the box. This guy will pick up positions. This guy will pick up positions and he'll score vital, vital goals for Arsenal Football Club. I can see it. I can see it. I've already seen stuff in, in his game during preseason that I've been impressed about. Yeah, he's got that languid figure, but who doesn't? There's a lot of players in and around Europe that have that has that style in terms of the way they play. And I'm not saying that he has to start every single week and every single game because we've got options now in our midfield. Kai Havertz can be a flat-track bully. And that's not me disrespecting him, but he can be a flat-track bully for Arsenal Football Club. And he can pick up points. Look, last season, we drew against Southampton, yeah? Both games, at home and away from home. We should have picked up six points in that game. Six points easy we should have picked up. We drew against Brentford at home, 1-1. We were poor in that game from an attacking point of view. We were very, very bad. Um, Everton at Goodison Park, another game where I thought we were mediocre. And in these sort of games, Kai Havertz could be the difference. He could be the difference to pick up, to pick to help us pick up three points instead of one or instead of zero. So, yeah, he's not going to play. He's not going to play every single week. Let's be honest; he's not going to play every single week. But he's going to play a lot of games for this football club. You don't spend sixty-five million pounds on a player just to put him on the bench. You just don't. But in certain games where we go away from home to the Etihad or Anfield, or Old Trafford, we have to be a bit more physical. We have to stifle the opponent because we have to respect them and we have to know the capabilities and we have to know the ability. So when you have the likes of Thomas Partey, Declan Rice, Martin Odegaard, those three could be your men for those big games, the European Knights at the New Camp or at the Bernabeu. But when you need a goal, when you need to basically kill a team, or basically dominate a team at home or away from home and to put the ball in the back of the net, Kai Havertz is your man. Kai Havertz is your man. So another goal will do his confidence the world of good. So, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with this performance. Um, <laughs> another man that I was very, very happy with and I, was, I had a smile on my face when he scored. I had a smile on my face when he scored. And this is, it's like the curious case of Fabio Vieira. I don't know if anyone has seen the curious case of Benjamin Button, but I've just done that spin. Like the curious case of Fabio Vieira. Look, Fabio Vieira right now, to me, he's like Marmite. Some like him, some are not so sure of him. But with Fabio Vieira, I think the most important thing for me is confidence. It is confidence. And I want Fabio Vieira to be confident. I want him to express himself. I don't want him to be nervous and I don't want him to think, ah, should I make this pass? Or should I shoot when I, when, whenever there's an opportunity? And yesterday, he had an opportunity to basically shoot. And he did. And he put the ball in the back of the net. He put the ball in the back of the net from 25 yards. Like, it, it was incredible. The shot... And Fabio Vieira has that ability. He has that capability. And I know people may say, why are you talking about Brentford away last season 
like we're in August, and I think that game took place in September, as far as I can remember. And I think he came in for Martin Odegaard, I think, in that game. And he was very good. He was very good. And he scored from, I think, 25 yards out. And I look at Fabio Vieira, and there is a player there. There is a player there. Like, the thing with me for Fabio, with Fabio Vieira is physically, he may need to get a bit stronger to basically play in this league. But not necessarily so. Like, not necessarily so. I think we put too much emphasis in terms of players coming from abroad, coming from Portugal, coming from Spain, and them being physically weak compared to the players that are already in this league. But what these players have in abundance is technical quality, passing ability. You can't get the ball off them. So if you want them to basically hit the gym, gain muscle, increase their weight, you're losing a bit. You're losing a lot of what they can already offer, if that makes sense. I look at Bernardo Silva. He may not hit the weights. He may not have a lot of muscle. To, to in terms of uh, body stature, but what Bernardo Silva knows how to do, he knows how to use his body. He knows how to use his body. That's the key thing for me. Bernardo Silva knows how to use his body. Like he is strong. He's a strong, strong boy. Like if you push him, nine times out of ten you're not getting the ball off him. Nine times out of ten you're not getting the ball off him. And I look at Fabio Vieira, and I want him to get to that stage in a way. And I still think he, he's an output machine. I think he's a person that can contribute a lot to this football club. I think he can score goals. I think he can, can, can create from afar, from deep. He can pass. He can assist. But he's got that technical quality that you want from an Arsenal player. And at times, he's been put out on the wide position for Bukayo Saka. At times, he's played in Martin Odegaard's role, which for me, I think, is his best position. Um, at times, he's been played as a left-sided midfielder. I think in a, against Bournemouth, he played when we beat them 3-2. I think he started that game. As far as I can remember, he started that game. And it wasn't his best performance. And I think there was another game that he started, I think a European game, and it wasn't his best performance. But look, confidence does a lot. Confidence does a lot. And we can only support Fabio Vieira. Look, he's an Arsenal player at the end of the day. He's young. And I still think he has the ability. He has the ability. And we look at Arsenal's attacking options that they have for the upcoming season. They are stacked. Like, stacked. Fabio Vieira, Martin Odegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, Leandro Trossard, Declan Rice, Pakasaka, um, Martinelli. Like, so many so many options. Reese Nelson, like he's not even he's not even part of the US tour because he's 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 away at London Corny, um, trying to get back from that injury that he sustained. So it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. There's a question from Temi. Um, do you think Fabio is better suited to the Shaka role since he's a natural central midfielder? I think he's more suited to the Martin Odegaard role. To be honest, Temi, like the games I've seen Fabio Vieira play and the positions that he's occupied and the best performances that I've seen from Fabio Vieira have been in that Martin Odegaard role. Like, to be honest, the games that I've seen him play 
for Arsenal when he's been in that left-sided midfield position. He's not really shone for me. And maybe it's a position that he needs to get more accustomed to um, in terms of tactically, he needs to be a bit more assured on the front foot defensively because that position is a tough position to basically play if you've not played it before. But he's someone that's versatile. He's someone that's versatile. He can play that left-sided position. He can he can play as a number 10. So if you want to go 4-2-3-1, he can play as a number 10. He can play in Martin Odegaard's position. He can play off the off the flanks. Uh, so he's a good player. He's a good player. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans have been a bit frustrated because we've not seen much of him. And when there's been an opportunity for Fabio Vera to shine, it's been difficult for him to make that impact. And I'm hoping that if he does get an opportunity for the upcoming season, he does he does prove that he is a capable player. But look, right now, he's an option off the bench. He's an option that if, say, for example, if Odegaard's out, he can come in. Or if we need to change it up, he can come in. He's not a first-team player for this football club as of now. But he's someone that can potentially make an impact off the bench. And I think for his age, for the, for his technical quality, um, I think that's decent. That's decent. But it's a big season for Fabio Vieira. Big season. Because if it doesn't go right and if it goes left field, then questions again will be asked whether we need to potentially sell Fabio Vieira. So let's let's see what the future holds uh, for Fabio Vieira. What else do we have here? Trying to look for questions. If you have any questions, folks, drop it in the comments. Uh, Steve, yeah, great point. Um, in terms of last night, Kieran Tierney proved last night that he's an integral member of our squad with a good performance and assist. I hope, therefore, that Miklatez decides to keep him at the club. Couldn't agree more, Steve. Couldn't agree more. I think for me, Kieran Tierney has to stay um, this season. He needs to be part of Miklatez's plans for, for, for the upcoming campaign. I look at Kieran Tierney as a fullback and I think he offers something different to what we have in terms of going forward from an attacking point of view. We have good fullbacks, but I look at them and they seem too similar for me. Tommy Asu, Ben White, Timba, Zinchenko, um, too similar in terms of they're more accustomed to keeping the ball, being possession-based, um, defensively reliable, which I, which, which, I, which I should say. So... They're good in terms of that. But when I look at Kirantini, Kirantini, I think Urien Timber coming in has saved Kirantini's future at this football club. Because now we have an option. If, say, for example, Mikel Arteta wants to play Urien Timber instead of Ben White, you can play Kirantini as our left back. You can play him easily. Because then it will allow Urien Timber to basically control that side of the game, uh, that side of the position be that inverted role. And Kirantini has the ability to express himself and bomb down the left-hand side and do what he's capable of doing, and which is bombing down the left-hand side, putting great balls into the box, which he saw with uh, Trossard's finish 
last night. So, yeah, I want Kieran Tini to stay. I think he's a great character to have in and around the dressing room. He's a good fullback. He's a good fullback. Let's not get it wrong. Let's, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush here because he may not fit what Mikel Arteta wants from an inverted point of view. He may not have that ability to do that role because you saw it last season. He struggled at times when he had that responsibility. But what Kieran Tini has... He's got many, many strengths to his game. Defensively, I think he's very good, like a very, very good left back. He can cause problems going up and down the pitch. He's got a great engine on him. And what I love about Kirantini is if there's an opportunity to put the ball in the box, nine times out of ten, he's doing that. If he's getting up and down the left-hand side, he's not passing the ball back or he's not passing the ball into midfield and he's not stopping the emphasis and the progression of Arsenal's um, attacking play. If there's an opportunity, he's putting the ball in the box. And that means that your strikers have an opportunity. Like you bought a player which is over six foot in Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz will love to basically be in the box, be in the mixer, if Kierantini's putting balls in the box. Because he has that ability to put the ball in the back of the net. He's got that aerial ability. Gabriel Jesus, Eddie Nketiah, he's a poacher. He loves that opportunity. So, yeah, Kirantini has to stay. He has to stay. I think Mikel Arteta said in his press conference, pre-match, ahead of the Barcelona game, that Kirantini is in his plans. Kirantini is not going anywhere. And I think he said it um, last week about Thomas Partey as well. So I think those two will be Arsenal players um, by the time this transfer window shuts. And I, for one, uh, am definitely on board with that. Um... Let's see if we've got one more question before I wrap up. Uh, uh, yeah, Troy, uh, that match early this morning was definitely on a Champions League level. It's good. It is good, man. Because we're going to be playing the likes of Barcelona in the Champions League uh, for the upcoming season. And we need to prove that we belong on that stage. So look, Xavi, if he doesn't like the intensity, take it up with someone else, my friend. Take it up with someone else. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, Marcus says, Rice injury, I know precautionary, but does it worry? Um, from what we know, Marcus, Rice is okay. He had a dead leg. Um, and I think the intensity of the training has been different to what Declan Rice has experienced at West Ham United. He's probably come to Arsenal and he's probably thought, wow, this is next level. The intensity is off the, off the charts in terms of training week in, week out. And I think he spoke about it in the interviews that he's done with the media. Like he's thinking to himself, they want to win. They want to win. As soon as he came a step, step foot on the training ground, he's like, this club wants to win and this club wants to achieve great things. So yeah, I think it's a dead leg. Um, I think Arsenal done the right thing, not aggravating that. And they'll probably assess it over the next few days. Um, but fingers crossed, we should see him feature in the Emirates Cup against Monaco. But if we don't, I'm pretty sure that he will feature uh, against Manchester City in the Community Shield, which I, for one, cannot wait for. Um, but I think we'll wrap up there because I have to get to a meeting. So, yeah, I hope you have enjoyed the show, folks. Um, um, even though it is solo, um, but I just thought it would be good to dissect the game. Dissect a very good win for Arsenal um, as they end their preseason tour in America. 
Um, we'll be back with our agenda show tomorrow morning with myself and TC. Um, I think so. We'll probably discuss a bit more about the game against Barcelona. But yeah, if you have enjoyed the show, folks, good or bad, negative or positive, I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, make sure to drop a like, um, comment, subscribe, and keep following us down the Arsenal way. Awesome